but like once the baby slips out, all they hear in the background. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. (laughs) This podcast contains explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Thundercast. My name is Christian. My name is Lucas. And I'm Liam, here with another podcast that just talks about movies. That's right, and today we are joined by a very special guest. Uh, you might know him as Moondor from Thunder and Dragons. That's right, Dan is here, everybody. Hello, hello, Dan. Welcome, Dan. Welcome. Oh, hello, thank you. Yeah, you can call me uh, Dandor. Dandor. <laughs> Dandor is, is it, here. Is it, is, it, is it Dandor Moon or Dandor Door or Dandor Moondor? <laughs> It's uh, Dandor Dan. Dandor Dan. Dandor Dan. Okay. <laughs> Welcome, Dandor Dan. Uh, today we are coming to you live from uh, some bar in a nondescript city that happens to be missing one of its major uh, structural walls, and uh, littered with obnoxious, annoying, please shoot him in the face caricatures. Yep. Uh, and we are sponsored by our patrons, and every single one of you will get a shout out at the end of the show. Today we're going to be talking about Liam's favorite topic, something that he's been wanting to talk about for years. Uh, no, Dan, that you do not need to be recording. I am got it. That will yeah. appear on the video. So thank you, Dan. Uh, we are already rolling. We're good. But anyway, yeah, today we're talking about one of Liam's favorite topics in the whole world. We're talking about sitcoms. Finally. Kill me now. And insert the laugh track there. Um, <coughs> oh, my God. That would... Liam would never be able to watch this episode ever. There's going to be some periodic laugh tracks in this episode, so just get get ready for that. Is um, it too late for me to drop out and just tune in with a nice dose of Strit 9? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, all right. But first, we're going to jump right into the ingestion. Who would like to start? I can start. All right. Well, first off, uh, I finally got around to watching seasons two and three of Final Space. Uh, which is a show that uh, I think I talked about a long time ago on the show, like yeah. a couple of years ago. I watched the first season and I talked about how I wasn't sure if I liked it, but it was just so fascinating. I had to keep watching because like the the tone and like the dialogue was were so like out of sync because like it has the tone of this epic, serious space opera, but they're telling really stupid jokes all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very confusing. And I watched seasons two and three. Obviously, I'd like it to some extent because I watched all of it. Uh, <laughs> One but it's re- together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's I, don't, I it's it's weird. Unfortunately, it did get canceled at season three, and season three does not finish the story. Um, oh. It got it got canceled because uh, I, I thought it was a Netflix show. It's not a Netflix show. It's a TBS show. Um, uh, but and then TBS, I guess, I went through a merger. And and you know things get get canceled Turn when the things fat. go through mergers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, which is unfortunate they didn't get to finish the story. But uh, and the way it ends, it's since there's no more seasons, the way it ends is like, oh, they lost. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, but overall, I don't know. It's it's really sad. <laughs> like not just the ending, but like they deal with a lot of really heavy topics. But there's also this robot who's really annoying. And like it's and then it's like a weird D and D game. I know I say that a lot about a lot of shows, yeah. but it's like the DM's like, all right, I got this like epic space opera. 
uh, that we're going to go through. You're going to be collecting these things and you're going to different dimensions. And someone, and one of the players is like, cool, my character's a cat named Avocado. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's, that's Final Space, basically. Uh, I don't know if I recommend it. I liked it, more or less. If anything, it's, it's just kind of fascinating to watch. Is it something that I would be interested in or is it something I'd hate? Because I've heard a few things from a few different people. You know what? I don't know. I honestly don't know. <laughs> I think, Liam, you, you'd probably like it to an extent. I've, I've seen the first two seasons. I haven't seen the last one. Uh, there's lots of like tongue in cheek, and I think Lucas described it best as like essentially an epic storyline, but with a bunch of like dick D and D players. Pardon me if that's too much, but yeah, you're it's essentially to... like damn it, people... Dan, you're allowed to swear. Fuck. Yeah. Right. Okay. Cool. Cool. I just want to know. Use your uh, whole fucking vocabulary. Oh, fuck me then. All right. So you, Liam, you'll probably fucking love it and fucking fucking hate it and uh, probably try to fuck it too. Um, All right. <laughs> no, I, I would say, like, Liam, definitely give it a try. Definitely go through at least the first three episodes. It, it kind of takes a little bit to warm up to. Um, it's an acquired taste, but definitely. I haven't seen the third one yet. But yeah, I definitely, like, when I first watched it, I would think I was in the same boat where it's like, hmm. I don't yeah, know. There's kind of a really going cool back and story. forth. Um, yeah, like this thing is kind of like cheesy, but then you kind of like start to love the characters, and they introduce new characters, and then you need to like learn how to love them. Mm-hmm. All right, I have some questions, but I ask anybody when they talk say things about shows like this: Is one of the main characters an alcoholic? No, I don't no. think so. He's, uh, a, he's a cookie holic. Cookie holic. Uh, <laughs> cookie holic. Yeah. Uh, does Verna uh, Herzog show up? Unfortunately, no. Is uh, rubba dubba dub dud a catchphrase? All right, we get it. You no. don't like Rick and Morty. All right, carry on. <laughs> All right, well, that's Final Space. Uh, also, last night, I rewatched Arrival. Oh, yeah. Uh, because I hadn't seen it for a couple of years, and I was wondering, like, is uh, is it going to be as good, you know, once, once like, you know the twist? It's just good. Oh, good. It's such a good yeah, movie. Right on. <laughs> It's honestly so good. It, it is a little unfortunate that like the main theory, the main like linguistic theory that the movie kind of revolves around, uh, isn't held in very high regard when it comes to linguists. Like uh, it's it's the I think it's called the Sapir Whorf uh, theory. Basically, it's the idea that um, the language you speak is like uh, a really big influence on how you like how you think and how you perceive the world and stuff stuff like that. And that's obviously a major plot point in Arrival for those who have seen it. Um, Linguists don't actually put a lot of stock in that right. uh, that theory. They they don't seem to, it doesn't seem to hold much water. Uh, but uh, Amy Adams is so fucking good mm-hmm. in that movie. Mm-hmm. She's absolutely incredible. I don't I don't understand how she didn't win the Oscar. The Oscars suck or anyway. Get but, nominated? Know. Yeah, she wasn't even nominated. That's bullshit. And it's it's also just like aesthetically beautiful the way it's shot. Oh yeah, there are points where. It looks it looks like it's taken a lot of visual influence from something like Alien with the slow moves and like the way the sets built. But also, but if Alien were more soothing, if I, is the yeah. best way I could describe it, <laughs> yeah. it's a very it's a movie that's very beautiful for being mostly gray. You know, yeah, like a lot yeah. of it is very like dull tones and everything. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, I also watched uh, the Netflix uh, docudrama series Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, each season is based on the life uh, or the reign of a different uh, Roman emperor. There's a season on Commodus. Uh, there's a season on Julius Caesar and a season on Caligula. And before I go on, I, I do want to uh, complain a little bit about one of my 
pet peeves when it comes to shows about Rome. Um, actually, I can actually demonstrate it. Hang on. So this is a Gladius, right? <laughs> this is. A... <laughs> Just had it on the ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this, this, this is this is the most common sword used in like the Roman times. There's there's also things like the spatha, but the the um, this was the chosen sword of the Roman legions, uh, and this is very specifically a single-handed thrusting weapon. It's 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 awkward to swing, you know. It's it's made, specifically made for one hand, as you can see. There's like the divots for the four fingers. Yet in every fucking show about the Roman Empire, I see. People swing it around with two hands. Like, how do you? Mm. It doesn't make fucking sense, and it makes me mad. It shouldn't, but it does. Sorry, give me one second, Lucas. I have a okay. question. Yes. Oh man, uh, I, I already kind of know what Liam's gonna do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's. Does everybody want to bring out their weapons? Is that yeah. what we're doing? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I gave my weapon to Liam, which is what I'm assuming that he's gonna bring out. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is the best I got. Yeah. Um, so my question is, Arson. but do the gladiuses, the gladiuses and bad show, do they look historically accurate outside of a two-handed thing? Or Generally, do they look yes. like this? No, they don't look like that. They look like a real gladius. They don't, they don't look like the 300 swords, <laughs> which I don't think qualifies as the gladius. No. <laughs> but yeah, uh, my, my, my little, uh, uh, rant aside, um, overall the show's pretty fun. But I wouldn't take the information you get from it. Uh, you will take take the information you get from it with uh, a, a couple grains of salt, especially the Caligula season, because um, because a lot of it a lot of it's regular documentary where they're interviewing uh, like uh, qualified historians and everything. But then a lot of it is also just uh, dramatically recreating like scenes that may or may not have happened, and because they they need to dramatically recreate it, uh, they need to insert certain things that we don't actually know about the time period for example mm -hmm. with commodus uh commodus was strangled either in, in his bathtub or his bed by a wrestler named narcissus um depends on uh the translation you read but like it's either his bathtub or his bed uh we don't really know why narcissus did that other than I mean, there's some motivation you can read into. Are we? It. Are we uh, all gonna? We all want to tell the same thing. Because say, he was a yeah. narcissist. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> because it looked better than him or some shit. Look at you in that bathtub, motherfucker. Seriously, you're telling yeah. me you're telling me that he didn't get taken down in a one-on-one -on -one gladiator duel against a guy named Maximus? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Gladiator is surprisingly not historically accurate. Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> you can't fit that many chariots in the, in the anyway. Uh, uh, they they gave Narcissus like a fully fleshed out like motivation as to why he killed Commodus, and it was like Commodus was cheating in the uh, in, in the Gladiator games. He's killing innocent gladiators for for sport, and they don't even have sharp swords. Blah blah. blah. And in reality, we have no fucking fucking clue why Narcissus killed Commodus. And the whole series is like filled with things like that, especially when it comes to Caligula. There's very little concrete information on Caligula's reign because uh, the only like the only source that really covers the, the full extent of his reign is, I believe, written a couple decades after Caligula died and was written by somebody who hated Caligula. Uh <laughs> So there's a lot of uh, stuff in there, like um, like like in in the documentary series, they're just like, oh yeah, and Caligula was sleeping with all three of his sisters, when maybe I don't know, <laughs> he, he he did he did treat one of his sisters 
uh, very favorably. Like, like she had all the duties of the wife of the emperor and stuff like that, which was definitely weird. Not something the Romans were cool with at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Inc incest was a big taboo. Uh, <laughs> if only they had porn up back then. <laughs> <laughs> what are you or doing, Stephanopoulos? Like, like the Romans were in in some ways much more uh, 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 liberal with like uh, when it comes to like sex and stuff like that, but in other ways we're just as conservative as our society is. Like, for example, in the Roman Empire, you weren't really gay unless you were a bottom. Like oh. if you were the if you were the top, you're straight. You're still straight. Well, that's still a fact. Oh. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I mean, if, if there are anything like um, the Greeks, I believe the Warren's Cup could be wrong if it was Greek or Roman, but I'm pretty sure it was Greek. For you at home, I'm not going to go explicitly in detail, but it's a good thing to look up. Let's look up the Wikipedia page and read it word for word. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the rest Warren's of the Cup show. Is essentially a cup depicting uh, men. Ah, uh, I don't know if this is proper <laughs> for it. Yeah. Oh, uh, fucking something. Um, teaching mm. boys how to fuck. Oh. Yeah. It's and it's on a cup. Yeah. And all right. Ta all about... Toss here. Uh, we should probably. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was just like, mm, I don't know. But yeah, like I guess you know, it was just like. Mm. <laughs> so I don't know if Roman were the same, but yeah, they they had very different ideas of what was taboo mm -hmm. and what was not. Yeah what animals were cool or not. It was a very different time. I just remember learning this in art history and being like, damn, I paid $500 for this class. <laughs> <laughs> Why the fuck am I learning about this? <laughs> there you go. The last thing I wanted to talk about is I watched uh, uh, The Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf, which is the animated Witcher mm -hmm. movie mm -hmm. on uh, Netflix. Uh, it's it's animated. The, basically, the main reason I watched it is the animation style is very, very similar to Castlevania and Castlevania had just ended. And it was cool. It was a lot of fun. It was pretty sad. <laughs> okay. Is that, but basically, it's... It, it's kind of like a prequel to like the Witcher uh, games and books and series and stuff. I don't. I haven't read the books, so I don't know how how much of a prequel it is. But like, it's about Vesemir, uh, not about Geralt. Vesemir being like Geralt's teacher. Oh, okay. Uh, a lot of a lot of beautiful animation, very gory. Uh, it was good. I liked it. That's all I had to say about that. <laughs> cool. Uh, I'll, I'll go Dang, next real Daniel quick. Lucas, you alluded, you alluded to two things last week, and you haven't given your opinions on them. Oh, oh shit. What did, I, what did I allude to? I forgot. Uh, you alluded to Invincible and... Uh, oh, right. And, and the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Oh, yes. I want to hear yes, both of these. Right. I, I honestly forgot about that. <laughs> uh, I honestly... Let's talk about the Suicide Squad first. I loved it. Yeah, it was the Suicide Squad is so fun. Have we it's have so we talked good. about it on the show? Yeah, you uh, and I you, you and I had yeah, seen it. Yeah, you two it. saw okay. before I did. Uh King Shark is the best. Uh but also like I really loved that it's a really funny movie and like really stupid. But also like it can get you in the feels. Yeah. It had heart. Yeah, and it had also, a lot of heart. I still stand by one major thing I really take away from it is one thing that I can't get over with the Guardians movies is that they undercut too much with humor to a point where I'm like, I feel like I'm watching a farce. Well, mm. with this, they knew when to rein it in at the right place. Mm -hmm. um, like, uh, and it helps that like, you actually have a straight man here. Like mm -hmm. that doesn't mean they can't have moments of humor. Or, uh, what is it? Or uh, funny bits. 
like uh, Idris Elba's ridiculous scream when he sees a rat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked I liked uh, Peacemaker and um, what's Idris Elba's Bloodsport? Bloodsport. Yeah, Bloodsport. I, I like their little competition going when they're uh, going through the camp, killing everybody. <laughs> Idris oh, Elba's just like, I what, did he, sh- what did he say? He's like, uh, uh, no one likes to show off. Johnson is like they do if what he's showing off is fucking dope. It's dope as fuck. <laughs> dope as fuck. Yeah. And Bloodsport's like fuck. That's true. <laughs> Did you know that? Um. Oh, so that scene. Uh, I've argued with a couple of people who say it was too mean spirited, mm. and uh, there's also been talk about how Warner's tried to convince Gunn to cut it out of a movie. Mm. Where I'm like, guys, it works because they're the villains being said to do a yeah, job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, King Short, and and of course uh, the the line that Liam uh, repeats all the time. Uh, why, why don't you do it for us, Liam? Hand. No. <laughs> oh. Bird. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> now I, we stay off the comms. I knew what the joke was. I just wanted yeah. to say bird. No hand. hand. <laughs> uh, the Suicide Squad genuinely great. I like. Yep. I, I, I and not only do I think it's really like funding, but I genuinely think it's a really good movie. Yep. Like yeah. really, really well made. Really, really well told. Um, um, I still stand by that if more uh, comic book or superhero movies had voices like that or like really distinct tones or feels like that, mm-hmm. the, the genre and saturation wouldn't be as burnout and obnoxious as it's become. Yeah, not afraid to get a little weird. Yeah. 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 Giant, uh, I guess that's a, that's a bit of a spoiler. I won't go into He's that. He's in too the much. trailer. Oh, okay. The giant's fucking starfish. Yaro. <laughs> Starro, yeah. I was happy floating, staring at yeah. the stars. Don't spoil yeah. it for Dan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that's, that's the Suicide Squad. Great movie. And I also watched the Amazon uh, animated series uh, Invincible, which I was very surprised to really enjoy. Uh, I, the first the first episode, I was like, okay, this is, this is basic. This is basic superhero stuff. I don't know if I'm going to be into this. And then the last like 10 minutes happened. I'm like, oh. This is different. <laughs> I'm honestly really shocked at how much I enjoyed Invincible. That's one comic property I've never read. Um, mainly because I'm you. like, <sighs> mainly because especially when the show was coming out, I'm like, oh, great. It's another what if Superman were evil things. Yeah. But they actually put a really interesting dynamic and frame over it where I'm like, wow, actually something to say as opposed to what if Superman yeah. were evil, bro? Look at Homelander. He's Superman. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I really, it's, it's like a very grounded, very like, uh, I don't want to say realistic. I think grounded is the better term. Uh, like take on superheroes. It's like, what is it like to live in a world like this? And what would it be like to go out and actually like be a superhero? And it's like, oh shit, people are flying apart. Fuck, yeah. what do I do? Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, really, yeah. in the end, it's really all about like the cost of powers and like super, mm-hmm. uh, was it, and having superhuman abilities in a way I hadn't seen before. Yeah, I'd heard like a lot of talk about it and how it was great and everything. And I was bored one night. I'm like, I guess I'll try it. I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm kind of over superheroes. I don't know how I'm gonna feel about it. And then I was like, oh, I'm gonna watch all of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then proceeded to do so in one night. Yeah, yeah three. But yes, <laughs> there. Now I'm done. All right, I will jump into the mix very quickly. I have quite a bit. But a lot of my things are going to be real quick. Um, So first up, I watched uh, Child's Play, the remake or reboot Mm -hmm. or whatever the hell you want to call it with um, Aubrey Plaza and Mark Hamill as Chucky. Um, (laughs) I didn't know this was a thing. Yeah, it's fine. 
It like mm-hmm. a lot of people shit on it and stuff because it's just it's not child's play in the same sort of sense of because the original child's play is like serial killer goes into a doll and then starts fucking with this kid and his mom and stuff. In this, it's like AI goes bad, and mm-hmm. so the the purpose is really lost. It's kind of just like a pretty generic horror film, but some of the kills are pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) I will give it that. There's this one bit where a guy loses his face to like a lawnmower. And I was like, (laughs) that's metal. I'm down with this. And this is immediately. That that just reminds me of Wolf Cop. Oh, you (laughs) God. When the face gets stuck under the washer. washer. Yes, yes. Um, The windshield wiper, that's it. This is like seconds after the same guy like fell off a roof and broke both his legs. And you see them like go like like out of his body. And I was like, that's gross cool <laughs> um and then immediately following his face getting ripped off by a lawnmower chucky proceeds to stab him um six or sorry 14 times and then says this is for tupac and then continues to stab him it's it makes more sense in context but okay okay um it's fine i watched it on an airplane so i was like eh. um i watched luca um which again was another movie where i was like yeah i mean that was harmless. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's not, I, it's the story is incredibly weak. Like there's really not a lot of contact, like content there, but the animation is probably some of the best that Pixar's ever done. Um, in terms of it being more inclined with like their earlier work and it being cartoony and, um, the character designs and whatnot and the spirit really still being there. Um, it's not, like soul where soul you're like holy shit that's that's a re that's new york <laughs> like and then you see the people walking around with their huge weird, weird lanky faces and stuff and so um yeah. <laughs> it's not like that it, in in i don't know it, it, like the best i can say is that it was good it's a good movie okay. it's not like anything that you could probably put it on and then watch it and be like oh yeah and then just like go back to chopping t- potatoes you know like your your life your life would not be better or worse without this movie. Um, I watched Penelope, which is a, a video a movie a video a movie that John had brought up a couple months ago on the show, in which Christina Ricci um, plays a character or a like the heiress to like this um, <clears throat> um, family or whatever, and uh, she is born with a curse, and that curse is she has a pig nose. And the only way oh. for her to break that curse is to find um, someone who will accept her as their own. Um, and it's it's McAvoy's in it too, and uh, Peter Dinklage is there, and it's just it's very heartwarming. It's um, again, it's not really a movie that like has a lot of meat. <laughs> it's mostly potatoes, but uh, a lot of potato references right now. I'm sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it doesn't have like a ton of like content, but it's it's digestible, so you know it's good. Um, and then I watched uh, Candyman, the original. So I watched the original oh. Candyman um, from 1992 with Tony Todd, and that movie is fucking beautiful. It is super fucking scary <laughs> and uh, very like the. I don't know. It's just ripe with like a lot of um, important messages that were like occurring during that point in time in in New York or like, sorry, Detroit specifically, because that's where the movie takes place. 
Um, like a lot of uh, really great horror movies from around that era. Yeah, and especially, and, and it's also a pinnacle for black cinema um, because it really showed um, the, the struggles and stuff of a lot of people of color um, in that time, during that time. Um, and then I saw the sequel, and the sequel is also called Candyman. <laughs> it came out this year. It's a direct sequel to the first movie, and it's okay. Oh. It's is, like, that, is that the one, was that Jordan Peele? He, uh, he wrote it. it. He, he, he wrote produced it, it okay. and he co-wrote the script. Um, in, in other words, he probably just touched it up. Um, but, yeah, it was good. I wouldn't... Uh, it, it lacks a lot of the depth that the original one had. Um, it is less about, like, gentrification and, like, white saviorism and is more about uh, art and culture and, like, a little bit about gentrification, but more so just, like the the genesis of why something like that would happen rather than being the result of something like that happening um and so and also it deviates quite a bit in terms of the mythos of what happens with with Candyman. um it like i said it is essentially a direct sequel but it kind of retcons some things um but does so in a way that's narratively it narratively makes sense because the thing with Candyman is that it's like an urban legend uh, in in the, the the slums or whatever, uh, and the way that they tell the story in the beginning of the new one, the guy gets a lot of details wrong, um, because as urban legends move through time, a lot of the details get messy or whatnot, um, and then as the movie unfolds, a lot of those details are actually elaborated on and expanded and um, referenced from what happens in the original movie. Um, but I liked it fine. Um, it's a very nice looking movie and a lot of the technical stuff is really cool. Um, a lot of the movie takes place in mirrors, um, like people looking at mirrors and whatnot, and you can't see cameras like whatsoever. I mean, I know that green screens and stuff have definitely improved over time and you can basically just like click the cameraman in the, ca- in the, in the mirror and just hit delete on, <laughs> on DaVinci Resolve and he's gone. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it is still a, a, like, I wouldn't call it a pinnacle, but it is a technical achievement. Um, uh, I have uh, one friend who uh, loves the original Candyman. And he said this one in a lot of ways. He said, well, watch it. like, it came so close for me, but there were just a couple of things where I'm like, you had it. Yeah. And you just missed it a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Like, in my mind, it was only like 92 minutes or 94 minutes. Definitely could have been like 10 or 15 longer. And it would have, just some of that, the tension would have built a little bit longer and other things would have been a little bit more meaningful when they paid off. Um, and then uh, the last thing before I talk about the big thing that's going to transition to Liam and I is uh, I saw Halsey um, put out an album not long ago called If I, if I Can't Have Love, I Want Power. And she released a movie, a 60-minute long film to, to go with it. And like it's some of the most melodramatic bullshit I've ever seen. So it's seen. another artist vanity product project. It is very much a vanity project because she did all of her own makeup from her own makeup line in the movie. It's basically a commercial for that. And then on top of that, it's just like, look at all these fun dresses that I got to wear. Also, we I'm just, pregnant. Did you know I was pregnant? By the way, I'm pregnant. I was pregnant. Can we just stop making those kinds of movies? Yeah, it was it was very much I mean, a vanity. They got the project. money. Yeah, oh yeah, she very much had the money, and some of it is very nice looking, um, but it's it's just melodramatic bullshit. And Halsey can't act her way out of a fucking hat, and 
she's very talented. She, the music is really good. I'll give you that. But everything else is like kind of just flat and boring. And I was like, I paid ten bucks for this. Like, come on, because I it, oh, man. It, it, like there is like video on demand or whatever. And so I, I was like, I like her music. I'll pay ten bucks for this. And then I was like, hmm, I want my ten bucks back. I want no. <laughs> I was like, I want eight dollars back, please. I'll give you two. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did. It was fine. Like the music's really good, but. Uh, it's also really, 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 really hypersexual, which makes sense because it's a movie about a woman having a baby. But some of it is just like, how'd you get away with that? <laughs> like, holy. Um, anyway, uh, not great, but music's good. Uh, final thing. Liam and I had the very great opportunity. No, lack thereof. It was not of opportunity. But Liam and I went and saw Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, and uh, essentially Christian for a few weeks was like, hey, Liam, you want to go? You want to go see this? I'm like, no. Hey, Liam, you want to go see this? No. Hey, Liam, you want to go see this? No. And then eventually I'm like, fine, okay. I was paying for it. It's a free yeah, movie. you're like, I'll pay for it. I'm like, fine, I guess I have a free Saturday, uh, Friday night with nothing to do. and go. So I'm going to see Venom 2, and isn't that just sad? <laughs> and so we did. Um. And, and it is not good. <laughs> so I've uh, remember when the first one came out, I said that it taught, it felt like a move. It felt like one of those, like, so people have come to call the superhero movie genre in the two thousands puberty. Like when they were kind of just starting to get a little good, but you also got your shit like uh, the fantastic four or um, just like everybody trying to capitalize on the Spider-Man thing where they were like still having kind of like that bad nineties camp. But like trying to do something else where there's a joke. So Venom, the first Venom movie feels like a movie that was made in the early 2000s. In fact, there's a joke that goes around where it says it's probably the third best superhero movie of 2003. Right. (laughs) This one feels like it came out in 97. The same time as Batman and Robin, Spawn, uh, what's it called? Steel with Shaq. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I will say this. This is probably the best superhero movie of two, of uh, 1997. Yeah. <laughs> but what it's the competition is that, and the fact that I would rather watch Batman and Robin again, that's got to wow. be saying something about this. There, there's the inciting incident as to why things go down is basically Cletus Cassidy, it goes to prison because he's a fucking serial killer and he gets just, the death penalty and he wants to be with his girlfriend. And the whole premise of the movie and why things are happening is he wants to have a wedding. He wants to get married. Meanwhile, uh, Venom and uh, Eddie Brock are having relationship troubles. Yeah, and so Venom and Eddie split off, and Venom's, like, bumming it around San Francisco. Is that where they are? Um, Uh, Yeah. And he's bumming it around San Francisco, and he's, like, jumping from body to body and, like, going and doing totally things that are out of character. But he goes to, like, a party, and Venom's got, like, fucking glow sticks all over him. And he, he essentially like... <laughs> goes to a coming out party. And he goes up to okay. he goes up to, the, to steal the microphone. And I had this thought while I was watching the scene. I was like, if he starts fucking rapping, I was like, I'm out. I, I'm out. I'm not going to watch this. But at the same time, wouldn't have been shocked if it happened. But he, like, mm-hmm. steals the mic, and he's just like, man, Eddie Brock sure is a piece of shit, hey? And everyone's like... Yeah. <laughs> and he like drops the mic and whatnot. And then uh there's a bit where he like attaches onto Mrs. Chen from 
the uh, the first movie, and uh, Anne, who is Eddie's ex fiance, is trying to get information out of her. And Anne's boyfriend, new fiance named Dan, that's a shout out to your Dan, <laughs> is uh, right behind him or right behind her, and he's like Dan, like chirps in to like try and help, and then Venom just goes, "No one likes you, Dan." <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, okay, that was pretty fucking funny. But at the same time, I was like, that's that's the uh, humor. Our dad is our dad is crying right now. I wanted to bring it up on this episode because I knew that would hit him hard. There's also uh, the fact that half the time when Venom talks in this movie, I can't understand a word he's saying because yeah. it sounds like uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Tom Hardy down to forty took five grams of mushrooms before he went, before he went to his recording sessions. Um, Liam's never what done do you call mushrooms. It a, <laughs> um it's just like it's also one of those movies where it feels like either they didn't shoot half a script or it was just cut down beyond repair yeah because the movie's only like 90 minutes yeah it's so 90 like, it's like 92 minutes ish yeah so like there are details that come up where i'm like i feel like there's something missing here like what the fuck is going on yeah it, um yeah there's like half a movie gone and this is one thing that I don't really care about, but I can't imagine how people who do feel. So I'm not a Venom or Carnage fan. I really don't give a shit about the symbiotes or uh, any of that shit in Spider-Man. Um, but I know a lot of people who really love Venom and especially really love Carnage and we're excited to see it. Especially because Woody Harrelson was playing Carnage and he's been fan casted since Natural Born Killers. Mm-hmm. And he gets fuck all to do. Like, he's just boring. He's not even like the annoying woody harrelson caricature about woody harrelson has become he's just kind of nothing yeah yeah pretty much anyway it wasn't good and like, but i had a good laugh i guess like i probably I sound a lot more than, mad than i am because this movie kind of just went in one ear and out the other yeah yeah pretty much liam what else do you got uh okay now i'm gonna talk about an actual good movie that i watched with you one i rewatched. and that did i not mention called... it no oh that okay. movie is called take shelter Yes. Uh, came out in uh, 2011. Uh, stars uh, Michael Shannon and Jessica Chastain. Where uh, Michael Shannon essentially play, plays a tradesman living out in a small town with his uh, wife and daughter who starts getting a, po- a bunch of apocalyptic visions of a storm coming that uh, he believes could wipe and kill everybody out. Like he starts seeing tornadoes, but birds flying weird ways, but clouds building up. But he uh, was and he starts building a bunker in his yard to uh, essentially shelter his family. But there's also the question of, is he is he just having manic episodes or just not or having a hallucination because of like something from his past? And it's kind of like it's a very intense kind of sad movie, but it's also has a lot of heart. Yeah. And like Michael Shannon gives a powerhouse performance. It's 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 a very it's a very different side from him because there's not a lot of yelling. He's actually very quiet and very subdued. There's only one scene that uh, where he just snaps and then it's like it's it's like uh how do I explain it, it's like the whole like when it ha- finally happens you feel it feels like it's very wow this yeah, is all just been let out yeah it's very cathartic um no it's an absolutely incredible film it was my favorite of that year and I still stand by that statement after watching it again yeah and I I really don't blame Liam Lee like because we watched it on Discord and we were just like you know hanging out chilling. And Liam's just like, hey, you want to watch you want to watch a slow burn of a movie? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. And so we plopped it on. And I had always imagined that the movie was going to be like more like 
if knowing or the ha- yeah like knowing with Nick Cage was a good movie um it's not like that at all it is very much a meditation on mental health on paranoia masculinity masculinity yeah family love like there's a lot of there's a lot of like stuff that's really deep deeply rooted in that movie um that is everything is handled too that's another thing it's not just like broken loose metaphors like everything is addressed and is addressed very very well um with very great performances and some of the staging and like the direction although simplistic is incredibly well crafted and um yeah take shelter is a fucking bomb and ass movie (laughs) it's just it's great um then i watched uh a movie that wasn't bad wasn't and but also wasn't very good with uh my other job i went to go see free guy Mm. Mm. and meh it was fine it still kind of just is another movie that feels like it was written by a bunch of sweaty redditors in the same vein as sonic the hedgehog or ready player one um, again, Liam doesn't know what Reddit is, so carry on. Um, like, it's just, uh, I feel like you would be a lot more into this if you were, people who are online gamers are probably a lot more into this. But like, and it does have a lot of actors or performers I like. Like, I like Ryan Reynolds and his persona, but it is just the Ryan Reynolds persona. Mm-hmm. Um, Taika Waititi does the Taika Waititi persona, but if you were a fucking asshole... <laughs> um, which he's actually he's actually pretty funny, but at times I do think he overstayed his welcome. Um, also, uh, this movie's directed by one of the guys who helped get Stranger Things made, and he really wants you to remember he did that oh, because really? there's Stranger Things memorabilia around the place. He uh, cast two actors from it in there. Mm, that's very like you've weird. got uh, Steve from Stranger Things, and you've got uh, that really nerdy guy who works at the arcade. Steve. Oh. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It was just one of those movies where I'm like, yeah, it, it would be nice if we you could make movies with references and stuff that weren't just like super meme baity or just referential or super self-evident. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I didn't hate myself watching everything. There were some cool moments. Yeah. Um, I think I'm I probably going to uh, retrieve it illegally in some way or another. That'll be how I um, ingest that film. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's it was a movie. Fair um, then for the first time, I watched Spotlight. Oh really? Oh yeah. Yeah, because I went after I watched or 2012. Was uh, 2015. 15. Um, I was kind of on a bit of a kick because uh, after watching Zodiac, I kind of fell into like a journalism or proceduralist mood. Um, and uh, I called up uh, one of my friends who uh, has a mi- who's taking a minor in journalism. Or no, he's uh, currently taking a major there. Um, and I asked him about some things he would suggest. He's like, oh, well, watch Spotlight. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's really good. Um, from what I understand, it's very accurate to the events that took place and how uh, the Spotlight team uh, exposed probably the biggest, one of the biggest things of this new current century. Mm-hmm. Um, all can, you the act- me, can you remind me what, what it's about? Uh, the Catholic Church scandal and how the Spotlight okay. team got word and be exposed to the church. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. I just had to make sure. Um, Yeah, no, and I remember being a kid and hearing about it in the news and how uh, events like that are part of the uh, steps that led me to becoming an atheist. So it was really cool to see a dramatized uh, retelling of that. Also, this is one of the endings where uh, this is one of those movies where the ending actually kind of made me teary a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because in the end, uh, it, it ends about how you would expect it, but it starts 
listing off all of the places wherever have been reported acts of um I was it of sexual abuse among kids like not just not just states but like cities communities and it goes for like a good three minutes just naming off different ones oh boy and it just got me crying because of like I was like all of this shit just fucking happened and for centuries mm-hmm yeah, and it was just uh, it was a really hard it was really hard to sit with after it was over. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, but yeah, that's uh, pretty much all I've ingested. I everything else that I've watched or talked about is just trivial, and I don't really have anything to say about. Right on, Dan, our guest for this episode. I know it's probably customary to usually have your guest talk first, um, but no. welcome to the fucking show, Dan. <laughs> this, is not, this is not one of those shows. It's all good because, you know me, I always have a sitcom on the go. So I thought that I would actually be like best to finish and <laughs> best um, to finish and transition us into the episode. That's exactly. Right. Perfect. Exactly. So I'll start with two that aren't sitcoms ish. Um, so, yeah, no, I've uh, finally, um, I don't know, so many people. So, uh, yeah, I guess you guys mainly know me as Moondor, but. Um, very Scottish in some ways of history and used to play bagpipes. Um, so I finally have started watching Outlander. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Like, you know, for a fantasy show, like they actually have a lot of really cool history references. Um, you know, there's lots of congruencies, you know, of course there's some abstract, but it's really cool how they depict it. Um, really interesting narrative. I think I'm maybe i've only got through the uh first season or so of it but still very enjoyable something good to have in the background um, about, about what time period does it take place i think it takes place in the 1800s so like i think like 17 okay uh, okay 30 1760 or something like so that. so so no uh no william wallace no robert the bruce <laughs> no no no, no not, not, none of that the, the that's English... a while after they died <laughs> yeah it's, it's a little while after they died um liam and i go know, off so on like... all this dumb shit that we've seen and the first time lucas pipes up is when it's history what history <laughs> oh, oh my days. what <laughs> we, we gotta make sure we keep lucas's hands on <laughs> on camera for the whole time <laughs> next one's next one's awesome my... I'm gonna go grab my sword. <laughs> it better be a gladiator. Oh, <laughs> Gladius. Gladius. There you go. Gladius. I have, I have three swords behind me. There's the, there's over here is my rapier. Over here is my gladius. And you can't see it, but on top of the shelf is a saber. Oh, a saber. I was waiting yeah. for a dagger. And I was like, no. okay, so different lengths. I get you. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, no, yeah. So the English are like pretty well, like full force within Scotland at this point. It's kind of like the rebellion and, you know, the English and, um, very cool, like, um, not going to ruin anything, but like, essentially she's English and her husband's English and her husband has like a strong British tie of conquering Scotland in some way. And for like their honeymoon or, you know, post world war two, they get to go like explore where her husband did uh, or her husband's um, family lineage did a bunch of shit. And then she went back in time and got to see her like husband's lineage. Oh, that's the, that's Orlando. Oh yes. Yeah. 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 So yeah. really cool though. I, I honestly, I had a lot of doubts cause I do know a lot about Scottish history and I was like mm-hmm. ready to like poke so many holes in it. Definitely. There was a few, um, 
but for the most part, honestly, really impressed with um, the acting, the, um, you know, uh, context, the references, like, it's very much a dramatic show. So there's not, there's still funny moments, but not as many. Um, that takes it out of the context, like the next one I'm going to talk about where um, person I'm seeing really likes Murdoch. So I've given Murdoch. Really? Huh. Right? Huh. Right? I, I thought I was going to be waiting until I was drinking prune juice to watch Murdoch. Yeah. <laughs> what hey. season are you on? One or 58? <laughs> <laughs> when I started watching Murdoch, I was a young lad. <laughs> I mean, which is funny because like she she just keeps saying like oh they look so young and I'm like yeah because it was like 20 years ago yeah so it's the most recent <laughs> thing <laughs> um this one lots of historical inaccuracy yeah yeah um but also lots of fun um they make so many like fun puns to future contexts and stuff like that so like um. I don't know, lots of play on words. Um, really cool twist. Uh, if you like murder mysteries, but you don't like the gore, this is a thing for you. It's like pretty much a Teletubbies of uh, criminal minds in some yeah. ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like, like, oh no, they died. This is the 1800s, motherfucker. I think you're taking for granted how actually fucking weird and psychedelic Teletubbies actually was. Fair. Yeah, no, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> know it, 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 it might have been like it might have been an insult to Teletubbies. I mean, actually, Murdoch is pretty good. Um, Murdoch is pretty good. And I just meant, yeah, it was like more of a PG version of like Criminal Minds, where it's like something really messed up happened here, and what's gonna happen? Right. Is it this guy that we're trying to make it super obvious of, or this other person? Um, Murdoch's like it was that guy. <laughs> it was that guy. Yeah. Well. Yeah. No. Okay, so this it, is just just to be clear. This is just to be clear. This is Murdoch mysteries. Yes, Murdoch. Yeah. Okay. There are fifteen seasons. Holy shit. Holy. There are. <laughs> there are. Competing with Heartland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's still going, I guess. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Um. So yeah, I don't know. Um. I mean, there needs to be something on the TV on CBC for when uh. The, the nurse smothers the old people in the old folks' home. So, like, <laughs> if Murdoch Mysteries is that is that video is that TV show, then so be it. I, I'm sure go. it's it's the only show keeping a lot of people alive. Well, the cool thing is, and I can see why it's aimed at old people, which sounds really awful, uh, but also good for stoners. Oh. Um, is <laughs> what are you? They're, they're, what's what's what? Well, why it's good for old people and why it's good for stoners. What's a stoner? <laughs> stoner. This is well, a good you know, Christian podcast. <laughs> yeah. I, no, no. Yeah, what I'm going to say was you. it, you're no. a stoner. So you're someone who has sinned and has then <laughs> <No>. been stoned. <laughs> or you're the person doing the stoning and then you are a stoner. I don't okay, know okay, which okay, way okay. you want to take it. I don't know which way you want to take back, it. We're back on our godly route. Yeah. Godly route. Yeah. <laughs> the one true path. Uh, <laughs> um, but the great thing is that you could totally just like watch an episode in the middle of like nothing and still have a good time but if you do follow it there is like a subplot which is like quite nice to have because there is a bit of a reward but also if you're too stoned or you can't remember what you watched last time for other reasons you can still have a good time nothing wrong with that fair enough and you have 15 seasons of it so great to fall asleep to <laughs> Um, and it's never going to end, apparently. 
Apparently not. I think it's one of those shows where they don't even know they're making it anymore, and they're just like, "Where's where's <laughs> two thousand two hundred thousand dollars a week going to?" I have no clue. Yeah. <laughs> and the people, the people showing up to to work are just like they're clocking in, they're saying the words, they're clocking out. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, "What was that? What was that episode about?" I don't remember. Maybe they don't <laughs> even clock in. They just like live in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, like that. <laughs> you know, they're like literally like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. No, no, they're definitely not that well in character, but still great. <laughs> uh and then the final one to lead us into sitcoms uh is I've been watching Mom right uh, on yes. CBS. Um yeah, and this is why I've been asked cuz I have watched a lot of sitcoms. That is the reason. Yeah. Mom Mom is like a new one I haven't seen or rewatched uh, half a dozen times, so um yeah that's the one with a girl from the big bang theory right nope no it's allison or, janey no. and uh anna ferris and ferris oh, yeah those no, are so the there's some names. other show i was thinking of that i know is on tv right now yeah this one's a little bit older i think it's just about i think it just ended yeah or it something did. like yeah, that to my knowledge it did yeah um i mean i'm just in the first two seasons but overall like um I'm a fan of sitcoms. There's definitely like a root and routine. Um, but one thing I like about sitcoms and I like about this show is that it really touches on like a lot of issues that aren't often talked about in a lot of sitcoms of like independent mothers and struggles with feminism. And um, yeah, and like, you know, sometimes relationships aren't perfect. And I think they do a really fun job of exploring it. Sometimes not as sensitive, but that's part of sitcoms. Uh, but I'm not going to go too deep into it. Either way, classic sitcom. If you are a good Christian person and need someone to stone, then this is a great place to get some aim targets. If you're the other kind of stoner, then you're going to have a great time too. So, um... <laughs> right on. Is that you have a great time before you go to hell. <laughs> I realized that uh, most of us have have good Christian names, except for Liam. Who has yeah. his? Your name is not in the Bible, Liam. So get the oh, fuck Liam out of here. Liam is the Irish equivalent of William. Yeah, well, your name's not William, so fuck you, sinner. <laughs> okay. Great, God's an asshole. Wait, is wait is 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 Lucas in the Bible? Uh, I'm gonna say it's in the one that I'm gonna go steal and write your name into it. <laughs> no. I mean, Lucifer is. <laughs> There you go. There we go. Actually, I don't, th- I don't think the word Lucifer is in the Bible. I don't know. Okay. It's been a very long time since I've read it. This joke fell apart. Okay. It did. Uh, <laughs> so that has been the ingestion for this week. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about sitcoms. Uh, get ready for a lot of laughs, maybe some tears, maybe uh, a lesson. Some groans. Yeah. A lesson. My, yeah. yeah, and my permanent scowl. <laughs> Thank you for listening to that laugh track. And then also this, the, the ingestion will be right back. That's I that can't believe you've kept the secret for so long. Liam. Yeah. It's great. And then he just casually revealed it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm shocked. I've never mentioned my lovely wife, Magda. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to the Thundercast on today's very special episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about... That's funny because that happens a lot in sitcoms. Uh, we're going to be talking about sitcoms. Sitcoms. <laughs> uh, a a uh, undoubt, undoubtedly 
one of the most polarizing episodes we've probably done in a very long time uh, in terms of... <laughs> Hasn't even started and we're already like, it's going to be polarizing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I already kind of know how Liam's going to react, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, sitcoms. Sitcoms are also known as situational comedies. Uh, usually take place uh, or center around the growth or sometimes lack thereof of... Uh, always in- lack thereof. Not always. Uh, uh, individuals as they grow or, or mature over a number of seasons. Not all, not always, but a good portion of the successful sitcoms run for five plus seasons. Um, and uh, yeah, usually revolve around something to do with either a group of friends or a workplace. So you could very well argue that uh, the Thundercast is a sitcom. Uh, and a consistency <laughs> of a lot of boring and obnoxious white people. Typically, yes. Typically, to be, to, be, to be fair, there are a lot of black sitcoms. I have not seen many, but there are a lot. I mean, the 90s especially was kind of a golden age. Uh, a lot of yeah. argued. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ember has been, uh, and maybe with a 30-year cycle reaching the 90s, we'll get some of, we'll get some more of that. Oh, yeah, most likely. Maybe. So we brought Dan on uh, because uh, Dan, Dan is uh, a part of Thunder and Dragons, as I mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, Dan is uh, also a good friend of Liam and I and becoming quickly one of those for Lucas, I would hope, I would assume. If not, I assume they fucking <laughs> I hate will, each other. I will kill his character someday. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I feel like we really bonded over d and <laughs> I feel like I've been trying to like butter you up of like oh yo remember your D&D you, campaigns are, oh no they're honestly amazing remember when you yeah. threatened to kill, remember when you threatened to kill Raider because I didn't buy you pizza that's true I did do that that was that was after the show that was oh no was it in the show yeah. I don't remember no it was uh, after. Yeah, um, after. But anyway, uh, we brought Dan on because uh, I know Dan and I have a mutual interest of many sitcoms. Lucas and I have a pretty mutual interest of one in particular. Um, and you guys mm-hmm. needed mm-hmm. to find a way to drown out my cynicism. Yeah, <laughs> there, there's that too. So, that's true. I mean, we'll go off the hop. We'll have Dan just kind of explain, you know, what, why sitcoms? Uh, why do you enjoy sitcoms? Like, what, what is it about them? Like. Um, what, what, why do they have such a special spot in your, in your moon door heart? <laughs> well, I think like, um, for one, I, they're, they're such a staple and I think that they've been around for such a long time in some ways, like where theater in some ways were like short sitcoms because you create situations to make comedy. Um, but, uh, within my like main lead of work where I work within mental health, there's actually a lot of evidence that shows, um, a connection between, um, common shows or common kind of like, um, thread, um, or not thread, I guess, plot, um, to like mental health and like treating mental health. So if you have like ADD or PTSD or CPTSD, um, that you actually want something which can be annoying to some, but I think there is like a beauty to the routine. Uh, I really love how in some ways it's very like abstract from reality, but at the same time, they still tackle kind of big issues that helps us process our own in um, a similar manner, or maybe even prevents some of these things from happening where, you know, um, ideally our lives are not as dramatic as, um, you know, we can still get that kind of same enjoyment and thrill through them while having kind of like a similar base routine where life is very chaotic. 
So I think there there is some base, like um, some benefits to sitcoms. I can definitely see some criticisms to them. Um, and I also think they act as a really good cultural stamp uh, of time, like rewatching How I Met Your Mother recently. Has not aged. I, <laughs> well, has not aged well. I can see the argument for them being a staple, like uh, what is it, as a uh, piece, of, as a specific moment in the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah. However, I would argue the same with most pieces of media. Oh, sure. Yeah, I think yeah. what Dan is more so saying is is the dependability and the reliability, not reliability, but uh, um, the, yes, it's it's repetitive oftentimes where the basis of 95% of sitcoms is cold open, uh, something happens after the cold open, that's the inciting incident, they deal with that for about five to ten minutes, uh, there's usually a B story that's either tangentially related to what's happening or directly related to what's happening and then is all wrapped up in a tight bow ideally in the final like five minutes of the just for the the status quo to start again in the next episode right yeah i think i think like i think like the for for a lot of people the um the routine is is like comforting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's 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 like i think like uh you were talking about like the staple it's like a reliable part of somebody's life where they can sit down for a half hour and kind of turn their brain off and enjoy the comedy and then come back to life. Yeah. 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 Like, like that, being I like think semi like relatable in some ways, like, mm-hmm. uh, like I was mentioning earlier, I was watching mom, um, where, you know, there's lots of like really dumb jokes, <laughs> which, you know, I still enjoy, but As most like um, Chuck, Chuck Lore, Chuck Lorre things. Are. Yeah. Yeah, this is a Chuck Lorre thing. It definitely feels a lot like Two and a Half Men. A lot I hate of, it like, already. What did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like this is a bit more, like, I guess it's maybe like a polar opposite in some ways because instead of Two and a Half Men, it's like Three and a Half Women. Um, <laughs> Flip the genders and add one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially. Um, but, you know, there, there, there's all these, like, comedic parts um but you know there are also some like really real moments too like you know they they tackle like adoption they tackle um you know single motherhood addiction issues and um through the show too i think it's really interesting where how they tackle addiction issues and normalizing um not normalizing but encouraging maybe in a way of like going to alcohol uh anonymous and just being like hey like um I, I can say almost like once in a show they would say like hi i'm so and so i'm an alcoholic and that's that's a big part of the show and i think that part can really kind of destigmatize the idea of like oh you're an addict oh so, demonize it's just like oh this is part of the show this is part of life you know you're not just this one definition there's so many other things to you same so, with yeah Go so ahead. what you mean is normalizing like uh that it is like, uh, despite how sig- stigmatized a lot, uh, what is it, television and even as a society makes it, it is kind of just a thing that happens. Yeah, I think yeah. I think there are a lot of shows that handle it well. I mean, there's mm-hmm. obviously ones that don't like that. Okay, but do it in a comedic way, like it's always sunny. Where it's always sunny is very much a show that <laughs> that indulges in the addictive nature of these people and their narcissism and their cynicism and their just downright just 
psychopathic tendencies at times, you know? And here is where the Liam counter is going to start, where Liam starts, says one or two positive things. I actually like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Put a ding on mainly, the chart, everybody. Yeah, mainly, be, mainly because it's actually critical of that, uh, was it, of the sitcom formula and everything that, everything that's usually taken in sitcoms and being made as, um, I was and been framed as like, oh, these guys are just charming and buffoons or whatnot. Where it's always sunny, but it's always it always comes back to the these guys are fools, yeah, racists, <laughs> losers. They made mistakes, and I'm not going to defend those mistakes here. But they actually do at least be deconstruct. They actually do have that lens on there, which I'm I was it, which is actually refreshing because I what is it? Uh, I guess if I have to explain my dislike for sitcoms. Please do. It's yeah. yeah, it's mm-hmm. usually so keep in mind, uh, I grew up in a household where television, I'm sure like you guys was kind of always on in some way or like kind of regularly on in some capacity. <laughs> Lucas. Nope. Nope. Um, I didn't watch I mean, TV like, until I was 23. <laughs> I mean, in like in the sense that like there'd be the evening, I'd come home from school, do my work or whatnot, um, have dinner and Bender would just be the TV would be on because my mom would be watching something. So, and my mom and my brothers would always watch, always watch sitcoms, whether it be um, like the, the Disney Channel stuff or like a primetime, like a Friends, Two and a Half Men, but Big Bang Theory. So pretty basic stuff, I will admit. But that really cemented my distaste for a lot of it. Yeah. Because I- I'm like, you guys think these guys are really supposed to be really funny and charming. I think they're awful, awful people who I just want to die every time I hear them speak. Um. Also, there's the fact that just in general, with a few exceptions, like a few shows of exceptions, I hate laugh tracks so much. I find it so patronizing because it's like, you will laugh at this. And I'm like, fuck you. You're not going to tell me what is funny and what's not. <laughs> you better See, believe um, that in that silence there, I just put a laugh track. You better and in the, uh, <laughs> was it? And in the uh, whole uh, thing where it's like so close to real life, like a lot of sitcoms are. When it's like that, I'm like, okay, why do I just want to be reminded of how shitty and mundane my real life is? So I th- when I could just get out, go to the park, and watch a bunch of assholes behave like the characters on this sitcom. I have a slight rebuttal because I think um, the thing with a lot of sitcoms is they're idealized versions of people, right? And I or they think they want you to think for idealized, right? I think they're awful. Okay, but that's your perception of it. A lot of other people would see these people and idealize the concept of them you know like living in a two-bedroom uh new york apartment across the hall from your best friends like and and paying what like 1200 bucks probably that's not where like half the time they're unemployed yeah yeah no (laughs) like you have you have time to go skydiving from a hot air balloon like and still pay rent I think I think it might be more like idealized like circumstances than yeah. idealized characters, but I think I I see what you're getting at. Yeah, exactly. And 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 you're right, Liam. Like for some people, you see someone like Ted Mosby, and you're like, this guy is just a schmuck. He's, Get the hell he's, over yourself. Yeah, he's he's definitely a bottom feeder who thinks he's top top dog. Um, thinks he's owed. He's he's probably one of the greatest incels on television in, in terms of sitcoms. Um, and he wears it on his sleeve. And that, for some people, could be idealized uh, in that 
he always comes out on top. Or even when he's on the bottom, he's still on top, you know? Like, I think for some people, that dependability of the, the characters is is very comforting. As we've already mentioned, the comfort that comes from watching these serialized um, or episodic um, stories, right? Is that the, the, the nature of it being um, so cheerful at times... Um, allows people the opportunity to kind of zone out and focus on something that maybe is not what's going on in their life, you know? Like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of agree with that. And I also see the danger in that. Oh, so for I guess sure. Like, in like two points is, um, I guess like for one, like I think one thing with uh, sitcoms is that they kind of um, all have these like default personalities, right? And tropes. And they kind of, and, and tropes, yeah. Um, but you know, like they essentially like try to cover the bases. Like, so I think how I met your mother is a really good example of this, of, you know, the single person who's constantly horny, the, the couple that are quirky, the single guy, um, and then the, like, player. You know, the, the, <laughs> the wild card, yeah, the player, the will they the want their relationships. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, like, I think that like, you know, with a spread that they cover, you know, someone can relate to somebody in that. And like Christian was saying, there's like, you know, there's ups and downs, but, you know, it kind of gives us hope at the end of the day. It's like, oh, okay. Like maybe some, so like, as you guys were talking about Ted Mosby, I'm like, I'm a little bit like Ted Mosby. Don't be a Ted. I'm like, don't be a Ted. He's a Sorry, piece here's of one, shit. <laughs> here's one where, here's another dinged of a counter for you guys. Hmm. Um, but where I could say there is one sitcom that fits into that bracket where I do, where I did have feelings like that. And that actually was growing up watching Malcolm in the middle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I think it's because of that one, like I grew up in a very dysfunctional household. Mm -hmm. So like, I was able to see a little bit there. So like, uh, and the whole show was kind of framed around this whole dysfunctional family being like, we're going to get through this. Right. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of a feeling that I always had growing up or as a kid. Like, uh, cause I had the, uh, one brother who was an absolute delinquent. Um, I had, uh, I was it my mom who, again, uh, I'm going to say, sir, I love all of these people to death, but there are a lot of similarities between them and the Malcolm of the middle family. <laughs> um, but it's like, uh, I just feel like it's that, that specific lens they put over it. And also like it does, it's one of the only sitcoms I've seen where a lot of the characters being unlikable and awful kind of works for me in that sense. Yeah. Everything else, like even as a young adult or whatnot, moving out and like seeing things like How I Met Your Mother or like uh, Friends or The Big Bang Theory, I'm like, why would anybody want to think to even associate with these awful, awful people or uh, see any similarities in themselves? Like, well, I don't find comfort in that. I don't well, even, I, I don't find catharsis in it in any way. I, I totally get that. And uh, I think that's why it acts as like somewhat of a cultural stamp is like, you know, um, me watching how i met your mother now like i definitely don't relate to it <laughs> when i was younger i was like oh that that was kind of fun like yeah i get that me too um you know and but now i'm just like oh my god what the fuck no this shit's awful i mean not awful <laughs> but like there's lots of like taboo shit um mm -hmm. but i mean like i think they're meant to like you know for people in that time period to relate to like the jokes are very topical they're very yeah. into this and that yeah they're very very specifically made for that moment they're not mm -hmm. really 
designed to age well and, anyway and, and I, I i think that also comedy you know sitcom is situational comedy comedy in general has almost like an expiry date often exactly know? yes there's, yes there's yes. not much of a there's not much of a oh this is a timeless classic um you know it's you know even now like you know chicken cross the road and you're like why are you eating chicken yeah <laughs> um, so that is that is one thing i did want to bring up because i told lucas uh before we started that yes comedy inherently does not age well and not only for the reasons that uh most people would think and again this is going to kind of lead into a hot take i have on but just comedy as a genre as a whole which is that so first off let's talk about why comedy inherently doesn't age uh very well it's not, it's not only because like the basic reason of like people's uh, comedic sensibilities change. It's because when you hear a jo- so much of humor and a joke comes from a fact that you don't expect it and it's the unpredictable nature of it. So when you hear it again, it kind of automatically loses its novelty there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really making neat. the joke, making the joke aged, like age, like um, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like even like catchphrases or whatnot you hear in 90s sitcoms or 90s comedies. Where I mean, it's like, even like nobody uh, talks Bazinga, like that. You know, yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Like a big thing. Um, nobody does it anymore. In fact, everybody kind of cringes back at looking at it. It's kind of like check please. Or um... I'll have what she's having. Yeah. I was yeah. about to say the exact same. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Although that one's a little timeless. Like that one um, <laughs> sometimes yeah. lasts but a bit more longer. <laughs> what I've come down to and what I think the big problem that I have with most comedies as a whole is, or at least the comedies I really don't like, is when they're just comedies and they're just focused on getting the one topical joke out at a time. And there's not really anything else there. Like I'm starting to think that as we move forward, just doing straight comedies is kind of going out the door. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't um, disagree with yeah, that. Yeah. There's, like, uh, there's not a lot of them. Nowadays. Like a lot of the comedies people go back to with a few exceptions are the ones that have other things going that are also other things outside of just being a comedy. Like I assume that part of why Lucas goes back to the Cornetto trilogy is because there are other things to offer outside of the jo- outside of a comedy bits or jokes. Yeah, yeah. There's there's heart, but there's also tension and like yeah, like of, a, like an actual story. Yeah, and like a, <laughs> rising and falling action and yeah. playing with different genres and throwing bows in. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, like, exactly. Um, and uh, was it like? And that's the biggest thing that I've always had with sitcoms is that, and it also just comes from writing for a TV format, which is that you're always so preoccupied with capturing what is topical and like what are people going to laugh at right in this very moment leaving there's always that huge preoccupation and there's nothing that at least for me nothing that pulls me back under any surface or was mm-hmm. it aside from what's on the surface yeah like, it's it's like comedy aging over time is really interesting because like in a lot of way in a lot in a lot of times you can actually see it start to age like in real time like for example one of the most popular like sitcoms nowadays it just ended but like brooklyn 99 like uh, it was super super popular still still really popular when it ended but like as it ended it was already starting to age and the show was like show the show knew that and it was like trying to like catch up to that at, especially especially uh with the political situation surrounding it being like their cops and especially after the B, all the BLM uh, movement happened like realize uh, a lot of criticisms yeah we are realizing but, that like, Jake being an obnoxious, annoying cop is kind of not inherently is an idea that hasn't aged great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like certain situations that happen that are kind of funny, like a couple years ago, but now it's like, oh Jesus, like like 
like uh jake get somebody deported just because like he's kind of annoying or in in the way like like a lot of there's a lot of things like that i I genuinely do like brooklyn 99 but like it's uh it's 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 interesting that it has aged like while it was it was aged poorly while it was still on tv yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) you can make the same argument for the big bang theory how Mm -hmm. like uh when the big bang theory first came on it was kind of like People initially first saw it as a lens into um, nerd culture. Mm-hmm. And I'll admit, and I went through a Big Bang Theory phase when I was younger, mainly so because it was one of the only yeah. ones I could tolerate watching with my family. Yeah, then, and, and for, it- for me, for me, like, especially since I grew up in a small town, I guess, like, it was the first time I saw, like, the shit that I liked on TV. Yeah. Like, like people talk about the shit that I liked on TV. Exactly. And so I think think that was a big part of the, the appeal of why I liked it uh but obviously the big bang theory has not aged very well either well, it's probably aged very poorly <laughs> even by the time i was uh like fi- uh, what, by the time i was like 14 uh, i think the biggest uh draw that i realized is that i'm like none of these guys actually like or appreciate uh uh fandom or any that or just making fun of it and like people yeah. for i mean and, like the character the characters like it but i was like it's written in a way to make fun of it but even and then on the big the... bang theory like the characters make fun of each other for their interests oh yeah i know and that's, that's part true. of what makes them really deplorable like um there's a lot of like really toxically masculine comments against um uh what's his name uh what are... uh Polly. oh rash mm. or uh, Raj? yeah Raj? yeah like uh yeah. because he's the more sensitive one and like they always I think that's the thing also with a lot of sitcoms and just like that thing of comedy, it's always punching down and I can enjoy, I can don't mind punching down humor. Like I love South park, but at least self, but so, but something like South park and again, not going to defend poor decisions they've made is that it's always in the name one. It's not just a, was it the same shots of the same thing over and over. It's always hitting everything yeah. and also at least being critical of the society that inspires that. And I mean, oftentimes mm. people that are getting punched down in South Park um, receive their their moment to punch back up, right? Like it, ha- it happens all the time with Kyle versus like Cartman and whatnot, and <clears throat> maybe not so much anymore. But uh, yeah, like at least I, I see what you're saying is, yeah, a lot of sitcoms are very much um making fun of each other rather than laughing with each other right which is and and that's or, been a formula f- since the beginning of television right yeah, I, I, even early in like like that's just a in- integral part of comedy to a large yeah. extent or, i was or gonna say not... as well is that uh i remember i had this like one friend when i lived in australia and they brought up this quote that um all comedy is rooted in pain which right. i don't necessarily agree with but i think a lot of a lot it, a lot of comedy a is. lot of it is and like i you know i think you know even like i like i know i do agree with liam i think like the one downside of a lot of sitcoms is they find a punching bag that they they constantly make jokes to and i think a lot in a lot of sitcoms especially how i met your mother and even moms is um you know transphobia Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's just been like a very reoccurring thing. Like, a, you know, maybe not intentional into that same way, but they're like, oh, look at them. They're they're going to dress as another gender. Ha ha. That's funny. It's like, no, like, like if you're going to do why jokes is that like funny, but, you know, it, it's part of the aging of comedy in some ways, you know, but it, it's still like they always find somewhat like a punching bag as a quick joke. And it's usually the yeah. same, the same uh 
punching bags, right? And it's, it's like also and, and it's also, also given the time is like what what is the punching bag of the time? Yeah, you know, and, if we yeah. look back in the nineteen fifties, is so, so, uh, what were you what were you saying, Liam? Yeah, um, and also yeah, the fact that again, the biggest thing is that like I'm fine with like doing something like that if it one it's framed right, and it's just serve like a bigger purpose. I heard it like we've also been reanal for years. Like yes, it was always like a. Comedy is all, was it, the rest, people had always said the recipe to true comedy for decades was misery and, uh, or like pain or like, and that's kind of starting to get reevaluated now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's more so just that like, we're only just getting into to it now. And I find that really frustrating, especially like go back and look at, uh, so like, I mean, sometimes I go through nostalgic cycles where I'll go back and look at things from my youth where like, um, like I remember going back and uh, like I rip on John Tasker, friend of a show all the time for praising and defending friends where I'm like, dude, these people are awful. And I'm like, and he's like, Oh, well, it was the nineties. What do you expect? Like that, and that, then, that's not an excuse. And then Everyone I, was a bad person yeah, in the nineties. And then you go. So number one, there's that, which is a broke, which is a uh, bad faith claim. Um, number two, there's the fact that then you go like uh, 10 years later to how I met your mother and I'm like, Jesus Christ. And all the other sitcoms on there where I'm like, Jesus Christ, you're just still doing the same shit. I mean, I have friends who love How I Met Your Mother. And I've been like, oh, yeah, this hasn't aged well or whatever. And it's like, oh, what do you expect? It was the 2000s. And it's just like, okay, what are you going to say again in like five years or something? And we're talking about a show that, that ran in the aughts. And it's like, oh, what do you what do you expect? It was the 2010s. It's just like, no. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. There, there needs uh, to be a line. Yeah, I agree with you. Liam. I mean, I, I agree with that. And I, I think that there's still, like, some relevancy to it. Because, like, you know, again, like, I think people need to maybe be, like, you know, I think with comedy and sitcoms, they're meant to be quick jokes and jabs. And, like, what, and, like, even though I don't agree with them all, uh, absolutely, it still, like, should be a great point for us of retrospective of, like, well, shit, I, I used to laugh at this joke. Yeah. yeah. You know, and being like, well, now I know that's not funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. And like, you know, that that becomes a learning moment and that becomes a teaching moment. Uh, there um, is use in that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, so like what I'm saying is, is like, you know, um, even though like, you know, I don't know if I'm in like a really bad mental health space. I don't know. <laughs> now that I've watched like How I Met Your Mother, like, not in the worst mental health space and not just falling asleep to it and like realizing I'm like, Arr. yeah. But um, I also like, I also think that like a lot of things about like sitcoms is as you were saying about always sunny in Philadelphia, the characters are often not heroes, you know, yeah, they're directly but, framed as buffoons. The honestly, well, I mean, the only like, sitcom like, all I can... of them, all of them. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You go ahead. Leave uh, Lucas. Right. Yeah. You know, you go. Uh, the only, the only sitcom I can think of where like, the main characters are actually heroes is like the good place. Or Scrubs. That's the only one I can think of. Yeah. Scrubs. Fair enough. Fair point. Fair point. Wow. That's just because yeah. they're doctors. But yeah. Sorry. Go on down. <laughs> oh no. I was yeah. going to say like, I, I think that they actually fit into this like anti-hero motif uh, where, mm. uh, and I mean, I think even in Scrubs too, like, you know, they, they have lots of character flaws. They have, lots oh, yeah. of conflict between each other like i mean for sure like the head doctor there who's like a dick to everybody is a big sign of like you Bob know Kelso. workers abuse 
Hmm? Yeah, Bob, Bob Kelso. Bob also, Kelso. Uh, I just I fact, just finished I, I, Scrubs again, so just nice. just, just a note on that. <laughs> also, fun fact: uh, the guy who plays Doctor Cox is in season eight of uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine as the head of a police union. I mean, he's oh. pretty funny. <laughs> John John McElhenney or whatever the hell his name. Is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that guy. Yeah, he he, he makes pol- the police unions look really stupid, which is great. Great. <laughs> I I um, did want to mention one thing just to kind of uh, maybe shift a little bit um, is that I've noticed that there are roughly like four categories for sitcoms. Um, the first being family sitcoms. So you have things like Family Matters, you have Full House, you have Boy Meets World. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Fresh Prince, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, These ones that you can watch with the whole family, and there's always learning moments in every single episode. Not every single one, but most of them either Full House specifically, but more, even more so like Fresh Prince, where they every episode either revolves around or addresses a... Um, very topical thing, but also a long-lasting thing that that a lot of people need to deal with, like drug abuse or whatnot. The after-school special style shows, you know? Um, And then we have our single... We had a lot of fun here tonight. Exactly. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And then we have our singles slash friends, friends groups, uh, singles and friend groups uh, uh, shows, and that's like your Seinfelds, your friends, um, How I Met... um, uh, even Big Bang, right? Uh, those kind of two and a half men. Yeah, two and a half men. I guess two and a half men is kind of a friend group and family dynamic thing. Yeah, Big Bang also falls into another one that I wanted to bring up, which is workplace and specific interest uh, <laughs> uh, sitcoms. Big Bang is about um, nerd culture. Um, workaholics is about people who work in a in a uh, tele. Uh, what is it? Um, uh, telemarketing firm or um, home improvement. The office, obviously. The office, quite literally. IT crowd. <laughs> the it crowd. Yeah, the IT crowd. Mm-hmm. Silicon mm-hmm. Valley. Um, yeah, Silicon yeah, Valley. Things like that. And then my favorite one, which is the one that I think we all can probably agree with, is becoming more of a um, prominent uh, pillar in the sitcom community. And that's the one that's for deplorables. Um, <laughs> so, or, you know... Uh, for lack, I know it's not the right term, but for lack of a better term, postmodern. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. you're 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 post sitcom, so it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's, it's a bit more meta. Sorry. Yeah, no, I it mean, is. No, our, 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 like uh, as a disclaimer for people, I have like a fine art degree. So uh, well, like, when I say, I was just like, it's more meta than post. I do. Okay, I do want to clear <laughs> one thing up with a post and meta thing, and this isn't to step on Dan's toes or anything. Oh, this is fine. discussion him and I have had before. The way I've seen or understand it, at least in, I uh, was it in uh, philosophy terms, is uh, postmodern is more like deconstructive and uh, is is deconstruction, and like uh, like a, a new lens put over metamodernism is more like it is that, but it's more like referential to what it's um, uh, was it to what it's satirizing or what it's uh, being uh, deconstructive of postmodern. I don't. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. In some ways, like I guess, like my understanding because I've I've had to teach a lot about like post uh, modernism too. I mean, and also when we use modernism, uh, post modernism, those are all art terms. It's uh, modernity is for social movements. 
Um, so when we look at post-modernity, meta-modernity, which meta is still like kind of like a forming thing, um, is that with post, it's uh, more about a gray zone of like everything has its own explicit kind of value because nothing really has value in some way. Uh, because everyone's opinion is valid, but also because of that, everyone's opinion is semi-invalid. Um, so whatever you make is up to your opinion, um, which is still fair. Uh, well, with meta, it's more of a self-reflection and a self-reference um, into things. So like um, taking something from the old and creating something new from the old to make a comment on the current. That sounds really weird. Uh, <laughs> I was just being like, hey, look at this Campbell soup can. Um, you know, if, if like, you know, Andy Warhol, very postmodern, right, of taking a simple object and making it really um, fancy and, you know, it's kind of questioning the value of that object and that symbol. Uh, nowadays, if I was to say make a Campbell soup can, it would be a reflection on Andy Warhol's. Uh, which would make it more meta because I'm making a commentary on how even though that value was created based off of his, it's still devalued nowadays into a different context, into a different conversation. So, sorry. Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's my big that's thing. Good. Yeah. You know what's actually funny, Dan, is I heard a very <laughs> similar analogy recently when I was listening to a mm -hmm. philosophy podcast. Cool. I do, cool. And yeah, I do yeah. agree, metamodernism probably, at least when talking about sitcoms, does apply better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel like meta and like I, I think Always Sunny in Philadelphia is a great example of meta sitcoms because I would agree. Yeah, they're yeah. they're very much they almost acknowledge like breaking that fourth wall is very meta in some ways. Um, not that they do it, but they very much kind of acknowledge it's like we can't do that. Mm -hmm. No, even it's even <laughs> no, like we can't uh, do this. Oh, we're uh, going to do it. Bojack Horseman is very well known for that. If we're going to name ex mm -hmm. examples, yeah, yeah, because I, yeah, I mean, really well, we haven't really talked about animated sitcoms, which is also a, a genre in and all itself. But I mean, or a, a um, not genre, a um, medium, medium genre, yeah, a medium uh, in a way, because <clears throat> you can have workplace, you can have any of the four categories that I mentioned, um, and have a, you know the Simpsons fall into. Almost any of those at times, right? <laughs> yeah. Any of those. But I mean, uh, one I would like to bring up later is a Proud Family, but I want you guys to continue on. Yeah. Oh, I remember Proud Family. Yeah, they're doing it. Proud Family was fun. Really cool. But either way, I want you guys to continue because there's like a whole other point I can go on. But <laughs> like a big thing that I wanted to, to bring up uh, in terms of talking about these things, like the pillars of, of sitcoms is... Uh, Liam, you probably inadvertently liked a sitcom at some point in your life and you didn't even know it, you know? Well, like, that's actually one thing I was going to ask. There are some things that I've thought about where I'm like, I don't know if it counts or not. Okay, mm -hmm. like what? Like, I question if something like Daria count would count as one. Like, I've always seen I it was, as like a slice yeah. of life coming of age show. Yeah, I, I, I kind of I kind of see it's kind of right on the edge. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, has, it, has, it has all the elements of a sitcom, but like, the the comedy isn't necessarily like front and center in Daria. Right. Like it's more about the relationships between the characters, which is obviously obviously a big part of sitcoms, but it's not like like the main focus. And it just kind of rejects the sitcom formula. Yeah. Yeah. Like Liam, yeah. I would even argue it's right on the edge. Bebop is a sitcom. 
Bebop has sitcom <laughs> elements for sure. Because well, sure. Bebop's also a mod podge of like everything. Yeah, but that you, is can't, true. you can't deny that those things exist in the in well, the moments that are there are moments that are a little sitcommy when it's like uh spike like particularly in the first episode, I suppose, when uh Spike's sitting on the couch eating noodles. Yeah. Or he's eating uh bell peppers mm-hmm. and beef and he's all pissed if there's no meat in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then we we go into the animated series from when we were kids. Recess, for example, is a mm. work is a workplace sitcom. Um, I refuse to ex- to uh, accept it as anything other than that. It's a workplace sitcom <laughs> because everything Honestly, that yeah. happens in that show happens at recess time, and mm-hmm. with some exceptions, but it happens at recess. That's a very specific thing that they all come together for um, and then achieve a goal by the end of the episode it, within the confines of the time limit of the, the, the reason why they were brought there, right? Going into even 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 things like Goof Troop is a family sitcom, right? Um, I'm talking mostly Disney animated shows. Yeah, I was gonna say Angry Beavers. Of, Angry Beavers could be argued. You're watching a lot of shows. You clearly watched a lot more than I did. Angry Beavers. <laughs> oh, I, didn't mind, I didn't mind Recess. Angry Beavers is a workplace and a deplorable um, sitcom because mm-hmm. they're cat dog. Same thing, right? Rugrats is a, is a workplace sitcom uh, and a family show We're, as well. Yeah, I was gonna say family too. It's a family workplace sitcom. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess that comes down to like sitcom is a very very broad genre. Like we have a very specific image yeah. that pops into our head when we think sitcoms, but you can you can argue almost any show is a sitcom. Like I'm almost any comedic show anyway. I was like, gonna I'm say not, like, I'm not gonna go. I'm not going to go and be like, yeah, Game of Thrones is actually a sitcom. <laughs> that's, that's the exact same example I was like kind of going through my head. Whereas it's like, you know, you can almost argue anything is a sitcom. And like, this is postmodernist brain um, going at it. Um, but, you know, except for Game of Thrones. But yeah, like anything with comedy in some ways, I mean, unless it's stand up or improv, even improv is very much situational comedy. Because it oh, is that's, that is improv. Im- improv is situational. Yeah, comedy. yeah. It, it is situational comedy. So I guess like what what is the line between comedy and uh, situational comedy in some ways? You know, I, um, yeah. I was gonna say that at least the way my brain goes is that like, uh, and this obviously could very well come from uh, was it upbringing, um, social conditioning. When I hear the word sitcom, there are three a few things that pop into my brain. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, laugh tracks, um, the friend group, um, return to the status quo by the end. Mm. That's mm. the Thundercast. Yeah, those are where, um, <laughs> like where it's like, yeah, those are usually where my head goes. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you could take sitcom elements, but in my head, those are like the core sitcoms. And with the other things you brought up, like, uh, with animated stuff or whatnot, Again, it's another lens of her other things pulling me in there. Like, as opposed sure. to, like, uh, I just don't want to, again, of like, when I think sitcoms, again, I think of, like, uh, a shitty, ra- shitty, boring Rachel Green um, uh, trying not to take up smoking or um, uh, Barney Stinson being a uh, serial rapist or and it's supposed <laughs> to be endearing. Uh, Liam, I, I do want to say that this episode was not a convince me cast. It's not a convince oh, Liam aware. that sitcoms yeah. are good. I just like it's good to have your opinion because you are quite cynical towards them and and have have your um, your stance on it. Um, but yeah, also, this is not uh, a convince me cast. I don't I don't think I ever actually gave my opinion on sitcoms as a genre. I don't think you did. No, uh, meh. 
<laughs> it, it, it's hit or miss for me i mean like i liked how how i met your mother once i tried to rewatch it while it was still on the air and i was like oh this isn't funny anymore yeah. uh, <laughs> but it, it, it largely depends on if there's a i think i think i'm a little more uh in liam's direction than maybe you are christian but like uh there needs to be a little bit more for me to like really get into something like i could never get into i watched all of how i met, met your mother because like i just kind of it was it was like a staple it was like a, it was a comfort food basically but like i really love like bojack horseman i love the good plays i like brooklyn 99 okay it, it, there's usually has to be some something more of a story element for me i guess mm-hmm. uh and that's, I mean, that's as, what makes a sitcom click for me as there has been in like traditionally for most things that you've liked right yeah it's like you need a, you need a little bit more than just the surface level right like yeah a, a deeper and I, I think uh, like i think i think i just need i, I need structure to yeah. the story it is something that's important to me i know i just need character progression because if it just ends on the same status quo is that i'm like for me comfort is fine and all good but like by the end after i just watch something that's just comfort and like as i will call it junk food i feel like the i uh, was by the time it's over i feel like the owl the baby owls from legends of the guardians <laughs> who were forced to look into the moons and get blipped out and just sit there like <laughs> what a um, reference yeah no yeah in the um uh what do you call it i like just kind of being lobotomized by the end we're like when i consume things it's that like yeah comfort i get i was there are a lot of things i will go back and rewatch. but when it comes to things like that that are just so mundane like just the friends group getting into a very average situation where i'm like okay you're just reminding me of my shitty day at work where i'm like i'm not really getting there's not really much else like i don't get any catharsis from that because it always just returns to the same status quo without any character progression or story I think, though, the thing with, like, sitcoms, like, or any successful sitcoms, because there's plenty of shitty sitcoms. Oh, yeah. Right? Boy, are there ever. Um, there, are, there are so many shitty sitcoms. Two Broke Girls. Two, I was going to say Two Broke Girls <laughs> is some of the worst <laughs> shit I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, for successful ones, there are character progression, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. I Like, what I like about sitcoms, or, like, what I need to watch myself with sitcoms, is that like i don't know when i'm starting a new sitcom i don't want to fall asleep to it because there might be elements that i might miss on the character's progression they might take a like a bit longer to get to but you build up that relation to them instead of like a movie where it's just like oh this person did this epic thing and this person did this epic thing like it's in a like abstract more realistic timeline but i mean uh that's one thing i wanted to bring up earlier is the danger of sitcoms and like you know social media is that like i know when i was like in my early 20s or like high school and how i met your mother was big you know everything needed to be like legendary or epic um but then like when you actually sit down and think about it like you watch that 30 minute episode and this like encapsulates like a month of their life <laughs> like, yeah that's true you know yeah. it's just like okay cool like out of this whole person's 30 days like only a minute of each day was maybe interesting but a lot of people are always just like you know maybe they get disassociated or they're not connecting to it in the right or in the same way i don't want to say right or wrong but you know they're just like oh my life should be that interesting it's like no like honestly if you do the math their life is pretty fucking boring. They're pretty fucking lucky. <laughs> that's, that's a really like good once point. a month. Mm-hmm. They they have like something really cool happen. 
Mm-hmm. That's the thing that's also, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's also a whole argument that could be made about the dangers of sympathizing too much with, um, uh, was it with any piece of media that's been more and more prominent in our culture as of late? Like, uh, we see it a lot with people who, uh, identify a little too much with like, say one character on a TV show that they really like, mm-hmm. or like one situation like, and there is a lot of danger in that. I mean, I think those people are going to find their own connections no matter what in whatever way, whether it be video games or, um, you know, literature. Like, you know, I think that maybe in some ways, um, just as like a very loose example of uh, The Great Gatsby or like Wolf of Wall Street maybe is another good example is that people can take it on a surface value of like oh this person's an eccentric billionaire da, da, da. but then they don't like see the final part of the story same with like you know barney in a way even though like you said he was pretty much a serial rapist um that there is a character development and change within that narrative mm-hmm. And that it's just like, it shows like, I think a lot of like a big part of sitcoms is that nobody is a hero. They're all anti-heroes and that we all relate to it in some ways because we, we see our flaws and we, when we see our flaws in other people, we feel comfort into that, you know? So whether you are someone who is, I, I guess just how, like how I met your mother, a good example of someone who's a serial <laughs> romanticist of like, oh, there needs to be one. I know you're what y'all were expecting with that shit. I do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Christian. You, you really threw me uh, in for a loop there. Yeah. You're talking about Ted. Yeah. So yeah, with Ted or like the player or you know, the couple, you know, we we all see ourselves into those archetypes. Um and we we don't like acknowledge our flaws, but then seeing it in another character makes it feel better. Yeah. And, yeah. and all those flaws make it seem better. And then when we see them go through something turbulent, even though that may not be the real life result of it, gives us some sort of comfort. Yeah, a little mm-hmm. bit more of catharsis. Yeah. And I think exactly. I think to piggyback piggyback off of that a little bit. Yeah. Um I think part of it, yeah, is like is like seeing comfort in like other people's flaws. But I think another part of it is like just laughing at people who you think are worse than you. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. like 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 you watch you watch oh, it's always sunny or like Seinfeld or like Community or something, and you're like, ha, I'm better than those people. I'm glad those three shows came up at least once during this show. Yeah, even though they're in Well, something like How I Met Your Mother, I still find that the dangers there are the fact that um the show always portrays those uh, really bad negative things as being either innocent or charming. And that- yeah, especially I find like how I met your mother and like friends to be like the most guilty. Of I that. agree. Yeah. Like, I feel like uh, for me personally, at least the way I watch community, it's pretty obvious. Uh, all those people are like kind of shit. <laughs> I feel like the show uh, is pretty aware of that. Probably not nearly as uh, critical as like, it's always sunny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, sorry, go on, Liam. I mean, I still do think with Community that um, they uh, the show seems to try and carry Jeff as being more likable than he probably should be because I, I think I, I, sorry, I don't agree. I don't agree. Yeah, I, don't I, agree. I feel like I you agree. did not watch the same show as me. <laughs> Je- Jeff is a fucking him, piece of shit. It has the same problem all Dan Harmon shows have, where it's like, uh, where it's like, oh, we point out these problems, but we 
it's still the same thing where it's like, oh, you're, but you're still really supposed to like him and think he's really charming and funny. I don't. I, I don't think I don't so. Agree. I know. That's I, what I, I mean by like agree. the anti-hero is just like, essentially with sitcoms, we're not really supposed to like anybody. I mean, it's also we're, we're supposed problem. to like maybe relate to somebody and like that's something that we don't like in ourselves. So I was like, oh, shit, I'm kind of like Barney. And there might be like a little romantic moment where I'm like, oh, it's so cool. I'm like, I, disclaimer, I've never been like Barney, um, you know, <laughs> just using that as an example. Right. Yeah. It's just like someone's like, oh, cool. Like my actions and things are validated because Barney did this. And then like you see their progression, you're like, oh, shit. I think, that is not cool. I that think is not great. With, like, mm-hmm. what am I thinking about myself? Like, I think that's a really cool part about sitcoms is it creates a relatable, uh, broken character that people can relate to, but then also reflect upon themselves in successful ones. I just I think that particularly, uh, again, if uh, we're doing commu- talking community or Dan Harmon, it's the fact that it's something Dan Harmon has always relied on uh, what is it making you uh, like having the main uh, char- the show r- framed around the main character who's a piece of shit and I feel like so many shows do that where I'm like which I mean like have her place or whatnot again if they're framed right but I'm like why can't we just have a show where somebody's if this doesn't mean making them absolutely flawless like full house because that would make me vomit <laughs> it's like just making your main for once can't we have a main character who's just kind of a good dude like I mean, that does that does exist, but also yeah, but so when that rarely, when that I mean, happens, friends... Liam, those are unsuccessful because the, because there's nothing there of substance to make a TV show around. Maybe like you, you can't you can't really make a TV show about somebody who has like personal flaws or has like like personal issues, but at the same time, as every single time they walk past a homeless person on the street, they're giving them change. Every single time they they you know see a, mm. a lost dog they, or stray dog, they take them in like. If you... That's not what I'm asking for, Bo, is that I'm like, you don't need to make everybody just like the absolute bottom barrel piece of human wreckage that's so much. I also, whole... but here's the thing. So mm-hmm. you've said that a number of times while we've had this conversation. I think your outlook on certain people is is very specifically you. And I feel like because of your specific vision, as it is for all of us, we all have very specific visions. It's just the human fucking existence. Um, but you don't like people who you perceive as phonies you don't like yuppies you don't like you don't like people who put themselves in that like frame of mind or or behave in that way you don't like a type people we've talked about this personally outside of the show many many times and i think for you to find the perfect sitcom for liam or or the perfect situational comedy for liam is such a very very specific i thing. don't want perfection i just i'm not asking something. i'm not saying you're looking for perfection i'm saying that you're looking for something that like is potentially not marketable like it's not something that you could necessarily create or, on I mean, television i think it is it's just that nobody wants to try their hand at it because they know what sells and how uh Again, you could easily mm-hmm. market and pander to the most broad common denominator possible, but nobody wants that, to challenge themselves. Th- that is what marketing is. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's, it I'm sorry. Mean I just like, like it. And no, also, no, it doesn't mean you have to like it, but what I'm saying is like what Christian and like, you know, I like, you know, I, again, it's not to target you. It's um, like, you know, of course, like um, 
you know, of course, like the way I was trying to think of it, like while we we're talking about this, is how like almost everything has kind of a script to it, right? So like, I personally hate country music from Calgary, Alberta. Fucking hate country music because it goes to the I lost my dog. Yeah. <laughs> I fucked my sister. Beer is good. God is great. I fucking hate that song. Ass cold beer. Um, country you, music. You know what I mean? But like, but the thing oh, is that like, about that. <laughs> I need to watch that. Um, but you know what I mean? Is it's like everything has like a story and archetype to it, right? Is that if you ask someone who loves country to listen to three screamo bands that we feel are maybe very different, they're going to hear the same thing. Same thing if we were to like listen to three country musics that they feel are different, we're gonna hear the same thing. Yeah. Like you know yeah. what I mean? Like so again, you know, postmodernism time. You know, I'm not um, trying to convince anybody of anything, Dan. It's no, also no, just no, express no, no, no. yeah, no, and I'm not accusing of that of any no. way. I'm just expressing why I but don't you're want... also not letting me yeah. fucking finish right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh ho ho. Ho ho ho. But you know what I'm trying to say is that like, you know, everyone has different tastes and that's okay. Um, sorry. I, I've yeah. just been like overspoke a lot of my life. So like I'm yeah. starting to get my voice back. Yeah, I'm um, just shut up. So, Dan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just so, but no, so like I'm I'm getting like more more abrasive with it. So I apologize if it's anything offensive. But all I'm trying to say is like, you know, everyone has a different cup of tea. Um at the end of the day, like if you love metal, if you love punk, there is a formula to it. If there's sitcoms, if there's dramas, there's a formula to it. Game of Thrones very similar to like oh in some ways outlander or some shit like that you know what i mean like there's going to be similarities um, yeah like yeah it's so. yeah it's not like i think that this is an objective truth or anything with sitcoms yeah, and no. if i say that it's more so that i'm being facetious if anything yeah. oh i feel, sure. I feel um, like i feel like if you took everything that like bothers liam and put it together a sitcom would come out. I would agree. And it would be a great sitcom too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody get on writing that. I yeah. think it's I think like, it's I out like, and it's already Liam. called Todd in the Book of Pure Evil. So I was gonna say, like, Liam, I just want you to make like the most like sarcastic sitcom. I've told him that. Be, like, I fucking wildly told him successful. That. Just be like, oh hey guys, what are we gonna do today? Well, I'm gonna have a conflict with this relationship, and I'm gonna have a conflict with this one, and there's gonna be a quick one-liner about transsexuals, because <laughs> we fucking what, like Dan, mainstream Dan, media. Sorry, I know, I, I know for a fact you and I have told Liam this several times. Yeah, that, like, I know, I know. Just I know. fucking write it yourself. Then just just, just write the anti-sitcom sitcom. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. like, what I'm... And then that would be great because like there's like a lot of sitcoms are anti-sitcoms, but then they become sitcoms. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Mm. I guess what a, I guess the biggest thing it comes down to, I mean, maybe this isn't as much of a case anymore, or at least I don't have to see it as much because I don't have cable, is the fact that, um, uh, what do you call it, is, like, obviously, I'm never going to get down or hate somebody because I was for enjoying something that I don't. That's their own choice. To say everything is is objective is an argument, is a argument one makes when they want to appear smarter than everybody. And whenever somebody says everything is subjective, it's always in bad faith. At least from my experiences. That's the just your objectively that, subjective truth. But the biggest <laughs> thing that breaks me down and why <laughs> that break that frustrates the sh why I get so uh, pissy with sitcoms specifically, things like sitcoms or reality TV, 
is because I grew up in that era where there were no other options and that's all mm. that was fucking on. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, all, all of us did. We're all very similar in age. So yeah, like we're, we're all not too far. Yeah. Yeah. When, just... the, the stuff that was on TV when I was a kid, like we, we were only really allowed to watch like the Disney Channel or the Family Channel or whatever. So like those sitcoms were my like like Boy Meets World, Smart Guy, uh, shit like that were like uh, the, oh the sitcoms God. that I grew up with. So that was my first exposure. Right. But yeah, go on. Yeah. And it's just that one. It's one of those things where I will all there will always be a sense of being a late little jaded about it in the back of my mind, just because it was a very long stretch. And because like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, I was, there was always that thing in my household where like, they'd be like, Hey Liam, want to come watch friends? I'm like, uh, no, you have fun. I'm going to go do this or something else. Or like, and it's like, what's the matter? Can't laugh at a joke or you can't just, you can't just lighten up and have a, have a laugh. at something funny. I'm like, I, don't get any joy out of doing this. So why am I going to go do that? Hmm. Um, and it was, and it was always wolf. just constant. Like, even when I would go to school, kids would be like, Hey, you want to watch? Oh, did you watch the sweet life of Zach and Cody last night? <laughs> uh, no, I like shows, but I don't think suck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we are at an hour of talking about sitcoms, which is three times the length of most sitcoms because 22 minutes times three. Um, <laughs> yeah, so true. here we are. We're coming at the end of this conversation. Do you uh, have I any have, final things you would like to say? I have a question for uh, just because I know Dan's the only one who's seen this show and if it qualifies. Because if I will, if it does, I will say that is a sitcom for Liam. Does the boondocks count? I would say so. Yeah, I don't boondocks count. Like the thing is, like I mean, I agree in some ways that it like a lot of sitcoms reinstate the status quo, but I feel like with every sitcom that they challenge the uh, status quo in some ways, and I think the mm -hmm. boondocks does that. And that's uh, maybe something I would say for the final point is that there's actually been a lot of social progression through sitcoms, mm -hmm. where. Um, for example, The Proud Family, that was the first, I believe, um, you know, I definitely need to do more research. I believe last time I did research, it was the first like fully animated um, African-American um, sitcom it's hit show. And there was protests about it. There were protests about it. Yeah. There were people writhing in the streets about it. But, you know, they continued. Um, There's so many people within that community that supported it and made it better. I mean, not made it better, but like, you know, uh, contributed to it and made it like just so great as it is. Like, I don't know. I grew up with a proud family. I love the proud family. Um God, I sound like Donald Trump. <laughs> one thing I grew I up with the Proud Family. I love the Proud Family. I was... Proud Family is my favorite show. Let me tell you. It's just like, <laughs> oh, God, that sounded like Trump. I'm not uh, Trump. But uh, I was <laughs> going like, to say there's with... There's like so many, like, you know, whether it be Big Bang or even like, you know, How I Met Your Mother. It challenged what it meant to be like a womanizer, especially as Barney Simpson um, halfway through the series coming out as a um, you know, a gay individual and then being like, yeah, this is not really me. Like, this is a character. And that made a lot of people question stuff because, you know, people who were heteronormative were like, oh, yeah, I, I want to be like Barney. And it's like, oh, he's gay. He's like, oh, 
and it opened up a whole nother conversation, which was awesome. Sorry. I wasn't, was sorry, this is round. just something I was going to say about the Proud family. Mm-hmm. Just one thing that I think is kind of cool about it is it's the only kid show I could think of or that comes to my head, or at least the first one I can recall from my youth where Kwanzaa is actually brought up and mm-hmm. described. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the properly, only one I could think properly. of. Yeah, at least. Yeah, at brings least. it up um, as well a little bit. But passively, and that also wasn't a kid show. No, that's very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just want to say one thing in terms of status quo. Uh, I know I know I've mentioned the good place a lot, but I want to mention it one more time. Uh, the status quo of the good place is not having a status quo. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> that show changed every episode. <laughs> <laughs> and but it was successful. It was successful because of that. Right? Yeah, yeah it's success. Mm-hmm. It's it's success came from being uh, not of the norm. Um, and that's why we love Michael Schur. Thank you very much, Michael. <laughs> this episode, pro- executive produced by Michael Schur. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I think he would kill We're us We're expecting all. our check in the mail. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was our uh, dissertation. Is that the right word? I don't know. I've used that word a few uh, times. I think uh, dis- dissertation's like uh, a whole fucking academic paper thing. This but. is our <laughs> consider this, this Consider this our, uh, our uh, doctorate. <laughs> <laughs> we all now have PhDs in sitcoms. This, this was our panel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, our panel on sitcoms. So thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Thundercast. When we come back from our break, we're going to have another wonderful and exciting edition of Cool Wars. Liam could have been more excited about that, but Cool Wars will be right back. <laughs> Yeah, so sitcoms. What's the deal with those things? <laughs> <laughs> so today, celebrities. Have... Do they know things? Let's find out. All right, welcome back to the Thundercast. That was our conversation about sitcoms. Uh, got a little heated in the right kind of way, but that's content, baby. That's the internet for you. Um, that's a panel discussion that I feel like was uh, rather informative. Probably one of our more educational um, uh, episodes. Having said that, we're going to jump right into another fantastic edition of Cool Wars. That's right. Cool Wars is a game we like to play at the end of every single episode of the Thundercast in which we pit two people um, from media against each other in a battle of coolness. They are not fighting physically. There is no physical um, altercations here. It is merely a battle of cool, which if you go ahead and go onto the Google machine and type in cool, you'll be able to find literally every single definition of that. So feel free to do that on your own time. Liam, who do we have on the docket today? Uh, today we have Daria Morf- Morgendorfer from Daria versus Lisa Simpson from The Simpsons. That's right. That's right. Liam, can you put eight minutes on the clock, please? Yep. Both of them have one of their names in the title of the show. That's true. <laughs> That's correct. And here we go. That's right. All right. So, yeah, as uh, Lucas had pointed out, um, both of them have a titular name in the, associated with the show that they are a part of. Both of them also happen to come from uh, situational uh, animated comedies. Uh, so that's also a tie-in to the episode, so that's cool. The thing is, is Lisa is a very troubled young woman. Um, she comes from a family of just, I wouldn't call them narcissists by any means, but like 
Bart could arguably be narciss- narcissistic. Um, Homer is very unreliable. Um, Marge is neurotic. Uh, Maggie is a baby. Uh, Which Marge's is just a, a whole level of terrible. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a conversation for the post show. Um, but uh, yeah, so, but the thing with Lisa is that she's incredibly intelligent um, and can at times hold herself pretty cool. She can like keep her cool, I should say. Daria um, is a little bit more sarcastic. Cynical. Uh, cynical. Also comes from a, uh, a dysfunctional family. Like her mom is a, uh, for lack of a better term, a workaholic. Mm-hmm. And like a very, uh, I was a very strong-willed, like working mother. Her dad is kind of a pathetic, <laughs> overworked, uh, exhausted. Uh, really high-strung, yeah. uh, angry man. Yeah, and who, has, sister, who has major dad issues. Yeah, and her sister is uh, a uh, kind of like the really dumb popular girl that you see at your school. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, these two characters have a lot in common, which I think is something I, I we said, uh, I think, right before we started recording. Mm-hmm. What? I can't remember. Yeah, no, it was right before. Yep. Yeah, they're both they're both intelligent. They're both uh, somewhat uh, outcasts. They're both like young women in troubled households. Uh, so where are the differentiations between them? I'm not super familiar with Lisa Simpson. So someone else Daria's will tell me older. Up on that. That's true. Daria yeah, is Daria's older. in high school. Lisa's eight. Yeah. Yeah. She's been eight for 20 years. That's yes. right. Yes. 30 years. <laughs> 30 years. There yeah, you go. 30 years. Um, <laughs> she called, um, Lisa is definitely like, uh, like Daria, very outspoken about how she feels, but is also, also a lot more high strung and a little bit more, um, Proper, I think, is a better way, is a word I would use. Lisa, yeah, like prop, proper is definitely not a word you'd use to describe Daria. Oh, like yeah. a little bit more like um, Daria is definitely a lot more of a civet mm-hmm. is a lot more of a cynic. Yeah, yeah Lisa sure. is fairly classy in a lot of her criticisms and uh, is able to kind of articulate herself on a, a level that's way above <laughs> someone who's eight years old, right? And I uh, kind of flexes her intelligence maybe a little bit more than uh she should for an eight-year-old daria i feel like is very snarky with her intelligence she knows she's smarter than everyone um but doesn't often use that to her advantage she kind of she she does it she does it kind of subtly like uh she kind of like makes fun of people without them knowing that they're being made fun of right Mm -hmm. just that sort of thing Uh, what do you think dan yeah. Um, oh, you said Dan. Dan. Yeah. Oh, sorry. sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Dan. Oh, sorry. I heard Liam as well. I think. I think. I think we both were like, were like, hey, Liam, you go, and then I was like, hey, Dan, go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I. I think that like the thing about like Lisa. Um, or sorry. Um, is that, you know, we see her at such a young age, and then like throughout the series, there's like so many like future episodes of like her being like super radical or XYZ. Um, but with Daria, like I feel like it would be a natural progression. Like, I don't know. Um, just have like a personal take of just like things is just like 
if you're over intellectual all the time, then no one listens to you. But if you play dumb or sarcastic, then people will like understand it. So like I can see Lisa becoming Daria. But oh, Lisa yeah. is a bit more of like a wild card. Cause okay. I'm the lizard they... queen. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm the lizard queen. Or like I, you know, I love um Nelson, yeah. you know, like you know, super young, still trying to figure out their shit. Daria, obviously, I feel obviously, like has like their shit figure out more than probably anyone on this. By, by, by the end, by way. the end of the series, yeah, she she goes through uh, a lot of changes during the series. But like, uh, Daria also has pretty bad taste in men. Yeah, Tom kind of sucks. <laughs> Tom I mean, sucks. like honestly, who who doesn't have good taste in relationships? <laughs> One, two other things they both have in common are mm-hmm. the fact that one, both of them aren't always right. Right. Which mm-hmm. is which is what's very important, and they can also, two in different ways, showcasing it, be a little show offy about how smart they are. Daria a lot more quietly. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Lisa in a way where it could get a little overbearing. Yeah, it is. It is kind of like a a uh, milestone, or not a milestone, a like a a massive portion of her character is flexing her intelligence and and the dichotomy between her and the rest of the people in the family um and how she is the smartest and it's like how did she get to be to this point like was it nature versus nurture like what what brought her to that point and i guess very much that's daria as well like what Mm -hmm. brought her to this point and i feel like a lot of it is rebellion against the the status quo that's been set out in front of you with the people that you are being raised by right having said that like homer has definitely shown a, a lot of levels of intelligence right the man's had hundreds of jobs uh marge is also an incredibly uh, emotionally intelligent person is very empathetic um bart is very in, is smart with his pranks and the it the um the rolling out of ideas and whatnot um daria uh lives in kind of like a a unit where like yeah her mother's a workaholic but she's probably doing that to better her family um is it jake is that jake is the dad jake deals with a lot of trauma that he clearly has never properly dealt with right (laughs) that's what i put it and then her sister Um, is it jane right is her sister uh, no her sister's quinn quinn um is probably is a little bit more of just like a ditz right so yeah she's she well the thing is the show goes out of its way to show that quinn's not an idiot Right, like she she is she's quite smart, but she plays the part of the dits mm. uh, to like fit in. She just has her priorities in all the wrong place. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, as a fan of both, there is one major thing that separates the two of them for me, which is that um, Lisa, on a few occasions of the show, has caved and settled for a less than desirable status quo, like Jedediah Springfield mm-hmm. when she finds out the truth. She even though it. I think it's wrong. She just lets the town have it and keeps going for it instead of like actually proving it. Well, Daria would never do something like that. Daria would very much stand firm with it, with something like that. Mm-hmm. Until- I feel like that, that also comes with like maturity though. Like I, like honestly with the pose of this question, I I think that like Daria is like the grown up Lisa Simpson. Yeah, in a way. Um, also, a the timer ways. did just Cause go. Like, okay, because you know when you're uh, younger, time. you're a lot more naive to things. You're, I deep more. 
in back in my day uh, <laughs> <laughs> when we had hopes and dreams yeah, I think scary. I think this is the first time we've gone over over time. We have we oh, are we are sorry. over time. Yes, for oh, the sorry. for cool wars. No, no, that's cool. Um, okay, uh, on the count yeah, of three, we gotta vote. We have to vote. Uh, all right, we say our votes out loud, Dan, just so you know. So on the sure. count of three, say your vote out loud. Ready? Three, two, two, one, one. Lisa, Daria. Daria. Lisa. Oh, an even split. <laughs> yeah, we and we don't have any ways of doing tiebreakers, so we're gonna put no. this on our Patreon, which is a good way to transition into the outro. Lucas, go for it. Yes, hello. If you enjoyed it, if you enjoyed what you heard, please uh, give us five stars on iTunes or the equivalent uh, podcasting platform. Uh, give us a follow, uh, iTunes, Spotify, all that good stuff. Uh, we have another show, which uh, normally I say, uh, normally we say uh, the three of us and our friend Dan, but our friend Dan is here. So the four of us uh, have a D&D podcast called uh, Thunder and Dragons, where I'm the Thunder Master, and these three are the crazy adventurers, uh, uh, and I guide them through godhood. Uh, I'd like to thank our patrons, uh, Kate, Tanya, Scott, Manos, and Owen. Thank you guys very, very much for your support. Uh, and if you'd like to follow follow us on social media, uh, we are Thunder Lizard Collective on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, uh, and YouTube. what, was, what uh, was that? Instagram. Instagram. That's yeah. it. That's the last one. Um, we are Thunder Lizard OG on Twitter. Uh, was there anything else? Uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash thunderlizard. Yes. Uh, that's where you can go for that. All of this information can be seen on the screen above us and below us right now. But, mm-hmm. yes, that has been the Thundercast for this week. My name's Christian. My name is Lucas. I'm Liam. I'm Dan Dordan. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Dordash Dan. All right. Thank yeah. you, everybody. <laughs> we will catch you again next time. See ya. Throughout this whole pregnancy, even though I had no part to do with it. <laughs> I would um, hope so. I would really hope so.